the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. And so that was my introduction to the world of false teachers, the world of heresies. And now, many years later, I find myself as a pastor not only being more knowledgeable about false teachers, but also being in a position to warn believers in Christ about the dangers of false teachers. And that's why, folks, our recent study in Acts chapter 20 has been so important. It's been so meaningful because we find ourselves in a passage of Scripture which addresses this whole issue of pastors protecting their churches from false teachers. Steve's introduction to false teachers. Hmm, I wonder what that was all about. Well, actually, I know what it was all about because I know what Pastor Steve is going to say next. However, I wanted to grab your curiosity. Hello, welcome to today's verse by verse radio program with Pastor Steve Kreloff, who is our teacher. Pastor Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and we are privileged to hear his teaching. So let's jump into today's program and hear what Pastor Steve has to say about his introduction to the world of false teachers. My first exposure to false teachers and false teaching took place when I was a college student. It took place soon after I became a Christian when I was invited by a friend to a religious meeting on the campus of the University of South Florida. It's just a small gathering of students who were led in a discussion by one of the professors from the university. But as I listened to the professor that day and the discussion that took place during the meeting, I soon realized that something was very wrong in what was being said. Instead of speaking about Jesus, instead of speaking about the Bible, instead of speaking about the gospel, what I heard was utter nonsense. Now, it has been many years since I was in that meeting, and I don't recall much of what was said that day, but the one thing that I do remember about the meeting was that I was asked by the professor at the end of the meeting my thoughts on what had been discussed, because in light of everybody else freely sharing their opinions and their comments, my silence was noticeable. In fact, I think I was the only one who didn't speak up during that whole time. And so I honestly shared that I was very disappointed because I hadn't heard anything about Jesus or about any biblical truths concerning God. And I will never forget, this I do remember, I will never forget what that professor said in response to my statement. The professor said, what difference 
What difference does it make what we call God? We might as well refer to him as our stomach. Now, being a new believer, I was not very knowledgeable of the Bible, but I certainly knew that that comment was not only stupid, but it was heresy, pure heresy. And I didn't want anything to do with whatever religious system came up with that blasphemous theology. And so that was my introduction to the world of false teachers, the world of heresies. And now, many years later, I find myself as a pastor not only being more knowledgeable about false teachers, but also being in a position to warn believers in Christ about the dangers of false teachers. And that's why, folks, our recent study in Acts chapter 20 has been so important. It's been so meaningful because we find ourselves in a passage of Scripture which addresses this whole issue of pastors protecting their churches from false teachers. You see, for the past few weeks, we have been studying Paul's farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Having left the city of Ephesus after being there for three years, Paul is now on his way to the city of Jerusalem. But having stopped off at a town by the name of Miletus, Paul has called for the elders from Ephesus. Ephesus wasn't very far from Miletus. He's called for these men to come to him so that he can give them his final instructions concerning how they are to conduct their lives and ministry, especially in light of his absence. And so, in his parting words to them, Paul divides his instruction into two parts. In the first part, he tells them about how he lived, how he ministered while he was with them for three years in Ephesus. And then in the second part, which begins in verse 28, he tells them how they are to live, how they are to conduct their ministry to the church. And the way Paul does this is by revealing to these elders that God has given them five very specific responsibilities, pastoral responsibilities to the church. Number one, he says they are to pay attention to their own spiritual lives. I'm just going to quickly review. Pay attention to your own spiritual lives. Verse 28 begins, be on guard for yourselves. This is the first thing Paul tells them because this is their highest priority. They are to make sure that they are watching over their own lives to make sure that their character and their obedience is in accord with scripture. They certainly can't minister effectively to anyone else in the church if they first are not ministering to themselves by paying attention to their own lives, making sure they're in obedience to God's word. Second responsibility, Paul says, they are to shepherd all of the flock. He says in verse 28, be on your guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Paul tells them that they are responsible not only to watch over themselves, but also to watch over all the flock, meaning every member of the church to neglect none. And the reason that their work of shepherding all the flock is just so very important is because soon, Paul says, false teachers are going to infiltrate your church in an attempt to tear all of the sheep away from Christ, the gospel, the local church, the truths of Scripture. This is why Paul immediately warns them about what's coming in the life of their church. Verses 29 and 30. I know, he says, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. 
Paul knew, he knew that with his departure, that Satan would raise up some of his evil ambassadors, meaning false teachers, who acting like savage wolves would attack the sheep of this church with their errors. In addition, he said that some of you, meaning some of the elders of this church, would sadly, tragically turn out to be false teachers who would distort and twist and pervert the clear teachings of Scripture for the purpose of tearing the sheep away from Christ, sound doctrine, and the gospel. And that's why it was so important for these men, these elders that Paul is addressing, to understand and to take their responsibilities seriously by making sure that in shepherding all of the flock that they protect each and every sheep from these predators. And the way they are to do this is found in a third pastoral responsibility that Paul tells them that God has given them. They are number three to be on the alert for false teachers, knowing that false teachers are coming. They are to be vigilant. Paul says in verse 31, therefore be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Now, with these words, Paul exhorts these elders to be mentally, spiritually alert to the danger of false teachers harming the sheep that they've been entrusted to protect. They must be, he says, vigilant, watchful, alert in guarding the sheep from spiritual predators. And the way they are to do this is by following the example that Paul set for them when he was with them. He tells them at the rest of verse 31, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul says all the time that he was with the Ephesians, he continuously, 24-7, warned them about false teachers. He understood firsthand how dangerous false teachers were. He had personal experience in spiritual warfare. He knew a lot about that. And so night and day with tears of concern, Paul says that he admonished these precious blood-bought believers not to listen to false teaching that would turn them away from the true Jesus and the true message of salvation by God's grace. And that's exactly how Paul wants the elders of this church to live and to act and to care for the members of the church now that he's no longer with them. He wants them to carry on the same kind of tear-producing, passion-filled ministry that he had of warning the flock about teachers whose sole intent is to harm the sheep. But Paul also understands something, understands from his own personal experience, how difficult this is, how challenging it is to take care of the sheep, to protect them from false teachers. And so he adds a fourth responsibility to those that he's already charged them with carrying out. And the fourth responsibility is to depend on God and his word. They're not in this alone. They are to depend on God and his word, specifically, in particular, the the word concerning the gospel. He says in verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, that's the gospel, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, as I told you last week, the interesting thing about this verse is that it contains no command. It just contains a statement of fact. And that is unusual because this is Paul charging the elders to do something. But here there's no command, just a statement of fact. And that statement of fact being that Paul says that in his prayers to God, he has committed the elders to the Lord 
and to the word of his grace, meaning the gospel. In other words, he's praying for them. He's praying for them that in the challenges that they face of protecting the church from false teachers, that they will lean on the Lord, depend on him and on the truths of the gospel. You see, Paul wants these men to understand that when times are difficult, when times are hard, when ministry is really challenging, it's the gospel that they are to focus on for their encouragement. So when they encounter the trials of difficult and obstinate sheep, and false teachers. It is the gospel that they need to recall in order to be encouraged in the work of caring for God's flock. And specifically, Paul mentions three encouragements that come from the gospel. Number one is that it's the gospel message of salvation in Christ that will build them up. And he means by this, that's what's going to strengthen you. That's what will encourage you. When you feel weak and you feel that you are not sufficient, you turn to the gospel and you remember God's love for you in Christ and what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And that's where you get great encouragement. It is the gospel of how much God has done for you in Christ. Gospel truth number two is that it is the gospel, he says, that will give you an inheritance so that when things are really tough down here, remember, there is a finish line. And at the finish line, you'll be promoted to glory. And that's where your full inheritance awaits you. So this is all very temporary. There is a future in heaven, in eternity. Third gospel truth that Paul mentions is that it is the gospel that sanctifies all believers. And by that, he simply is talking about their spiritual growth. So they can be encouraged. They can rest assured that uh, God will grow his people regardless of all the false teachers and false teaching that's going to come into the church. God will make sure that his people are growing. Now, this is where we left off last Sunday with Paul teaching these men that in spite of all the challenges they would be facing with false teachers who would soon be coming to Ephesus, they can and they should be encouraged by the gospel. And he has already prayed for them to depend on the Lord, to depend on the truths of salvation in Christ as they enter this spiritual arena of warfare. But having said this, Paul now is moving on to his fifth and final responsibility that he wants these elders to know about so that they will carry out. He tells them they are to be characterized, this is number five, they are to be characterized by giving to others rather than taking from others. Verse 33, now this is new material for us. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. Now with these words, Paul has returned to speaking about his own ministry, his own example in ministry, because he wants these men to follow his lead. And the example that he has set for them is that in his personal dealings with their church, he wants them to know and remember that while he was there for three years, he did not covet anyone's money. He did not covet anyone's clothing. In other words, Paul wants them to understand that when he was with them, he was not greedy. He didn't use his position as an apostle and a church leader to try to get anyone's money or their material goods. He simply was not in the ministry for personal gain. Now, it may strike you as odd that Paul would say this about himself, not because what he said wasn't true. It was absolutely true. But it may strike you as odd because it has appeared that with verse 27 that Paul was finished talking about himself and his ministry as a model for ministry. But now 
he goes back to himself. He mentions himself again, stating that he was not covetous in longing for what belonged to others in the church. So at this point, we're faced with a couple of questions as we try to interpret this. Question number one is, why did Paul again insert himself and his own conduct into this farewell address? I mean, it does appear like he left that in verse 27, but why return to himself again? Question number two, in returning to speaking about himself, why did he feel compelled to bring up this specific issue of covetousness? Well, to answer these questions, we need to remember what the context is. Keep in mind, the context is this. He's just been telling these men about the false teachers who would soon be invading their church. And one of the distinguishing marks of a false teacher, note this, is that they are greedy. And in their greed, they exploit people by taking advantage of them financially. That's a mark of a false teacher. Listen very carefully. False teachers, and by that I'm talking about those who deny the gospel, unregenerate men and women who are in religion but are not saved, false teachers are notorious for being materialistic and for financially exploiting their followers in order to make themselves wealthy off of other people's money. The word of God speaks abundantly about this. False teachers being characterized by greed. But the fact that the word of God has so much to say, we're not going to look at all these verses, but I think it's sufficient for us today to look at one specific statement about this, which kind of tells us everything we need to know. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, the second part of verse 14. Now understand, Peter's whole letter is devoted to telling us about false teachers. And here's one of the things he says. He says, having a heart trained in greed. He adds, accursed children. Accursed because they're not saved. They're under God's curse. But the interesting thing is that he says they have a heart trained in greed. Now Peter states that false teachers are more than simply greedy. They go beyond that. He says they have a heart that's trained in greediness. So what does he mean by this? Well, what he means by this is clear from the Greek word that he uses for trained. This word, we get our English word gymnasium from this particular Greek word. And so what Peter is doing in using this specific word is he's giving us a very graphic, descriptive picture of false teachers busily training their hearts to be greedy, just like an athlete or athletes would train their muscles to perform well. The Phillips translation of this phrase, I think really captures the point that Peter is making, so I'm going to read it to you. Here's what the Phillips translation, not a popular translation, but it does nail it down here, and it's very important what it says. Here's how Phillips translates this. Their technique of getting what they want is through long practice, highly developed. In other words, false teachers exercise their minds. They exercise their thinking long and hard in how to make money. As a result, these people are experts at milking people for money. They work hard at it. 
They train in thinking and coming up with ways to do this. That's why it's important for all of us to understand that false teachers being motivated by their lust for money, they have developed incredible skills at getting people to give them their money. This is why earlier in the chapter, in verse 3, Peter wrote, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. These people are specialists in exploiting their followers to give them their hard-earned money. And they use well-established techniques, such as what? Well, dramatic appeals that play on people's emotions. Heart-wrenching stories and graphic pictures, usually of small children. And they apply pressure with spiritual intimidation, such as God told me to tell you to give your money to me. That's what God told me to tell you. So who wants to disobey God? In fact, I remember years ago, Oral Roberts saying that God told me that if I don't raise a certain amount of money for this ministry, I'm going to die. So who wants to be responsible for someone's death? And who wants to be responsible for a ministry closing down? So people tend to respond to that kind of stuff. It's spiritual intimidation. They feel obligated to give their money. You don't want to be the one who's responsible for the man's death. Listen, money-hungry greediness is really what's behind the prosperity gospel. These men ask you to give them money so that they can preach the gospel, but they don't preach the gospel. They don't even know the gospel. They never preach it. They don't preach the gospel. They just preach about how you should be healthy and wealthy. Why? Because the only reason that they care about you being healthy and wealthy is so that you'll be alive and have a lot of money to give to them to make them wealthy. That's what that's about. And that's the only thing that's about. They don't care about you. And many false teachers have become extremely wealthy. For example, one prosperity preacher I'm familiar with asked his followers for donations to purchase a $54 million jet. And he justified this request by saying that, and I'm quoting here, Jesus wouldn't be riding a donkey today. He would be flying around in a jet. Two prosperity preachers that I mentioned last week, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn, are known to be extremely extremely wealthy. Copeland lives in a mansion that's been described as the size of a hotel. He has a $20 million Cessna Citation private jet for flying around the country and even owns an airport for landing his jet. And Benny Hinn has said that his salary is over a million dollars a year. He also owns a private jet, lives in a $10 million house near the Pacific Ocean, stays in hotel rooms that cost thousands each night, and he owns several luxury vehicles. This whole issue of greediness and exploitation of false teachers was brought home to me many years ago in a very personal way. Michelle and I had a neighbor, a very poor lady, who was frantic one day because she could not find her degree from all the courses that she had taken with Scientology. And when I asked her why her degree was so important to her, I mean, the woman was frantic about this. Why it was so important to her, she told me that she had spent $60,000 on these courses. And folks, that's just cultic exploitation. They robbed this poor woman. She was poor, and she now had basically nothing left. They robbed her. See, Scripture teaches that the underlying motivation of false teachers 
is covetousness. And they have no qualms about making money off of their followers by exploiting them. This is why they peddle their lies. And this is how they stay in business. They do it by offering you something like physical healing, deliverance from demons, or something to bring you a so-called blessing, all for your generous donation to them. Nothing is free. As Pastor Steve concluded today's lesson, there were a number of thoughts that went through my head. First, I was angry, angry with these false teachers, these liars who are feasting on the bank accounts of people, some of whom are poor. Then I was grateful, grateful that someday God would balance his books and each of these false teachers will get what they deserve. I was also grateful that we have good, solid Bible teaching here on Verse by Verse so that our listeners can know the truth of God's word. Then I had this question, God, Why don't you judge these false teachers right now and make them a public spectacle so that others would not follow them? I don't truly know the answer. I suppose God in His infinite wisdom is giving them time to repent. And I hope they do. Right now, though, I hope you can join us for the next verse by... And I also hope that you can join us for the next Verse by Verse program. Pit... Pastor Steve has two more sessions in this series, and I know they're going to be good. So please do everything you can to join us for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.